Okay, I'd like to call this meeting to order. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024 at 6 p.m. and we are in the city chambers. Uh, roll call, commissioners present are Commissioner McDowell, Commissioner Langdon, myself, Mayor White, Vice Mayor Stokes, and Commissioner Emmerich. There is a quorum present for this meeting. Also present are City Manager Fletcher, City Attorney Slayton. Also, we have uh, City Clerk Faust, Assistant City Clerk Powell, Fire Chief Titus, and Chief Police Chief Garrison. Okay, we're all in the house. Good deal. Uh, Pledge of Allegiance. I'd like to call on Todd Miles to lead us in the pledge. <coughs> of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, thank you. All right, I'm looking for a motion to approve the agenda. So moved. Second. All right, we have a motion by Vice Mayor Stokes to approve the agenda and seconded by Commissioner Langdon, so let's vote. <clears throat> and that passes five to zero. Public comments, city clerk, do we have any online public comment? Okay. Do we have any comment cards? Uh, good evening. I am Valdi Hollander. <clears throat> I am not a criminal or any criminal activity. I come here in peace and I have a dignity. Please respect my dignity, commissioners or fake commissioners. Um, why I instructing you to remove the cup of my back. Chief, remove the cup of my back. Obey your oath or rescind it, your oath. I don't consent to your behavior. I'm going to read what I uh, found just a few days ago. And Supreme Court uh, of United States, there is the Amicus Curai brief by the, the Rutherford Institute. And the question regarding the First Amendment. The First Amendment does not permit the government to censor speech via indirect means. When the government official, like mayor, attorney, Commissioner, chief, cops, invoke legal sanction and other means of coercion, persuasion, and intimidation to chill this favorite speech, they impose a scheme of state censorship, just as unlawful as direct regulation. You guys call it the protocols. <clears throat> 
does not apply. And they quote the Supreme Court opinion so far. Uh, the question, did my speech broke anyone, anyone's leg? Did my speech stole any, anything from your pockets? No. Why you received in the last election 5,438 votes of 56,096 registered voters. What you doing here? It's only 9%. Best you can, whatever you do over here, you take the list of the people who vote for you and apply to them your ordinances, your budget, etc., etc. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any other public comments? Okay, and I, I neglected to mention, um, it was brought to my attention that we do have uh, headsets available for hearing enhancement, so if anybody needs to do that, my understanding is they're uh, remote, so they're wireless, so that just so people know for this meeting and for future meetings, we do have that available. Uh, consent agenda, city manager, have any items been pulled? Just one, Madam Mayor. Item 4D, 24-0128. Okay. 4D, 24-0128 has been pulled. All right. Uh, do we have any public comment on? Okay. All right. So I'm looking for a motion. Motion, Mayor. I move to approve the items in the consent agenda, pulling items D 24-0128 for discussion. Second. All right. We do have a motion to accept the consent agenda with the exception of item D, which has been pulled for discussion. That was made by Commissioner Emmerich and seconded by Commissioner McDowell. So let's vote on that. And that passes five to zero. City manager who pulled that item? Commissioner McDowell. Okay. Yeah, the reason why I pulled this item is because when I was reading the agreement, I was going deja vu. Um, and I had done a little quick research and realized that we had approved a similar agreement back in November of 2017 to help the fire and the police department recruit new employees. And I am really glad to see that this agreement, this um, agreement is before us to help current employees um, be able to gain additional training. Um, I am, I'm, I'm thrilled that this is happening. So two general questions is how successful is the recruit one going and are we going to be bringing forward a employee training for the police department, similar to what we did for police and fire back in 2017 for new recruits? Good evening, Scott Titus Fitter, Fire Chief for the Fire Rescue District. <clears throat> I won't speak on Chief Garrison's behalf, um, but I will say, uh, so the agreements that were approved in 2017, yes, were 
bringing in employees in from the outside. As you know, in that time, uh, that was during that transitional time where I was just becoming fire chief. We were working on negotiating a contract. He had an extreme amount of turnover. We were having difficulty. We weren't very competitive in the marketplace. We were having difficulty attracting people. We were kind of looking for all these other maybe little opportunities of how to get some people. Um, we had a few people that went through that program. Some were successful, some were not. I'd say we were at about 50%. Um, thankfully, with commission support and some things that, that happened, we were able to negotiate a contract in, in that year in 2018 that, that helped us be more competitive in the marketplace. And um, we have, you know, since then, I think tried to stay there. We'll be negotiating a contract, as you know, this starting this, this spring on, for the next collective bargaining agreement um, so that we can maintain that. Um, although we don't attract the volume, the large volume numbers that we used to, we're getting very quality candidates, and I don't think any of the fire departments are getting, you know, we used to put out for an advertisement and we get 150 or 200 applications in, in, in a couple of weeks, um, and the same with our surrounding counties, and it's just not that, there's not that many people in the market now. So um, one of the things that we did find over that period of time was that having taken our own people who have been tried and true, who have been successful, who have been with our organization for a year, year and a half, two years, three years, four years, um, they're good employees that making the investment in them if they want to go to paramedic school We've been very successful in sending them to school and getting them back and this contract is, is for them to sign so that they can go to school and, and uh, We can actually you know kind of help them financially so we help them with time and if they leave if they decide to leave Then they would have to pay us back, but we've, we've had pretty great success up to this point Thank you, and I'm, I'm grateful. This is before us today, and I'm in full support just out of curiosity How much is paramedic school? Uh, I, in general tuition itself and books. I want to say, please don't quote me. I want to say oh, it's around eight thousand dollars. Holy mackerel! There's a lot of training involved with our first responders, and thank you, thank you for bringing this forward and and retaining the employees that want to continue uh, their education here and serving our city. So thank you for that. Of course, thank you. Um, if I may ask Chief Garrison if there's plans to bring a similar one for his department forward. Todd Garrison, Chief of Police. Uh, we've been using this contract for years. The same one? I don't know if it's the same one, but we have okay. a contract for... Is it for only the new employees for recruiting purposes, or is it you know the one we if did in 17, or is it similar to this? If we're someone to go to the academy, then we have a contract for them. Excellent. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you for the discussion. I don't know if anybody else wants to piggyback. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks. Nope, I don't have anything in the queue, so did you want to make a motion? I'll make a motion. I'll make a motion to approve the template for a contract for reimbursement of firefighter or paramedic training expenses and authorize the city manager to or his designee to sign future agreements using this approved template. Second. All right, we have an motion on the floor to approve the template for a contract for reimbursement of firefighter or paramedic training expenses and authorize the city manager to sign future agreements using the approved template that was made by Commissioner McDowell and seconded by Commissioner Langdon. If there's nothing else. And that passes five to zero. All right, moving on to item four, public hearings. A ordinance, this is our second reading for 2023-31. This is a quasi-judicial hearing. 
And I'm going to call on our city clerk to read this by title only. Ordinance number 2023-31, an ordinance of the city of Northport, Florida, amending the future land use designation from low density residential to medium density residential for approximately 18.63 acre area, generally located north of Hillsborough Boulevard and west of Toledo Blade Boulevard, amending the city of Northport comprehensive plan chapter two, future land use map 2-7, providing for findings, providing for adoption, providing for conflict, providing for severability, and providing an effective date. Can everyone wishing to provide testimony, please stand and raise your right hand. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to provide is true and accurate to the best of your knowledge, so help you God. Thank you. All right, thank you. Now I will call for disclosure of ex parte communications. Commissioner McDowell. Uh, yes, Mayor, I have my ex parte communication includes all of the disclosures I did during first reading. And I had a meeting with citizens on January 15th, and it's hard to differentiate which topic it fit to. So I thought I would just be overly abundantly cautious. And all we really discussed was what are the next steps. Thank you. Commissioner Langdon. I have no new ex parte communication since our last meeting. All right, and I'll say the same, nothing since the first reading that we had. Uh, Vice Mayor? Same with me, nothing uh, since our last meeting on the subject. Commissioner Emmerich? Yep, same with me, nothing since our first meeting. All right. City Clerk, do we have any aggrieved parties? Okay, thank you. All right, so we're going to move to presentation by the applicant. Is that... Is that okay? We'll do the applicant first. 20 minutes. Uh, good evening, uh, Madam Chair, members of the commission. For the record, Jeffrey Boone of the Boone Law Firm, uh, representing the applicant. I have been sworn. Uh, we, as you all uh, are aware, we made our presentation uh, at the uh, uh, first reading, and we really don't have anything to add to that. Um, certainly, we have our entire team here tonight, if anyone uh, would have any questions. Uh, we would just uh, have all the testimony and evidence that we entered at first reading be entered into the record for tonight's reading, and, um, and at the appropriate time, we'd be happy to answer any questions, and uh, we would respectfully request your vote of approval uh, on second reading. Thank you. Okay. That's it? Okay. Thank you. Staff. You have 20 minutes. Good evening, Elena Ray, Director of Development Services. Uh, similarly, we provided a staff report presentation uh, at the first hearing. We would ask respectfully that the testimony that staff provided and all of the evidence from that hearing be brought forward into the record for the second reading. And we are happy to answer any questions that the commission may have. Thank you. And... For the record, we have no aggrieved parties, so moving on to rebuttal. Rebuttal by the applicant. Uh, Jeffrey Boone, uh, representing the applicant, no rebuttal. Thank you. Rebuttal by staff. No rebuttal. All right, and again, we have no aggrieved parties, so we're moving on to public comment. All right, moving on to commissioner questions. We're good. All right. All right. No 
questions, so we're going to move on to closing arguments. There's no aggrieved party. Applicant. Uh, again, for the record, Jeffrey Boone representing the applicant. No argument here. Again, we would respectfully request your vote of approval on second reading. Thank you. All right, thank you. Staff? For the record, Elena Ray, Director of Development Services. Uh, only closing argument is that we um, would like to state that the Planning and Zoning Advisory Board did recommend approval of this comprehensive plan amendment, and staff also supports approval. Thank you. All right, I'm going to close this portion of the public hearing, and I request a motion. I'll make it. Go ahead. I move to approve ordinance number 2023-31 and find that based on competent substantial evidence, the amendment is consistent with the standards and intent of the city of Northport comprehensive plan and Florida statutes. Second. All right, we have a motion to approve made by Vice Mayor <coughs> Stokes and seconded by Commissioner Langdon to approve ordinance number 2023-31 and find that based on competent substantial evidence, the amendment is consistent with the standards and intent of the City of Northport Comprehensive Plan and Florida statute. So if there's nothing else, let's vote. And that passes four to one with Commissioner McDowell dissenting. Did you, do you care to comment? Yes, Mayor. The reason why I dissented is because I do not believe changing our comp plan for this kind of activity for this large of a parcel of property is in the city's best interest, especially given the fact we need commercial land instead of more residential. All right. Thank you. All right, we're moving on to item B, ordinance number 2023-32. This is, again, a quasi-judicial hearing, and I'll call on the city clerk to read by title. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's oh, no, it's okay. Okay. Okay, read by title only. Ordinance number 2023-32, an ordinance of the city of Northport, Florida, rezoning approximately 18.63 acres located in section 36, township 39 south, range 21E of Sarasota County, and further described as Track B, 51st edition to Port Charlotte subdivision in instrument number 20080661012 in the official records of Sarasota County from residential single family district RSF classification to residential multifamily district RMF classification, amending the official zoning map, providing for findings, providing for filing of approved documents, providing for severability, providing for conflicts, and providing an effective date. And everyone wishing to provide testimony, please stand and raise your right hand. We swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to provide is true and accurate to the best of your knowledge, so help you back. Thank you. Okay, uh, I'll call for uh, disclosure of any ex parte communications. I'll start with Mr. Emmerich this time. Yeah, I have none. All right, Vice Mayor. Nothing since our first meeting. And I, too, nothing since the first reading. Commissioner Langdon? Nothing new since first reading. Commissioner McDowell? Yeah, my ex parte is um, all the disclosures I gave during first reading and a meeting I held with citizens um, on the 15th to discuss the next step and processes of development. All right. Thank you. 
City Clerk, any aggrieved parties? All right, so we'll move on to presentation by the applicant. Uh, Madam Chair, members of the commission, for the record, Jeffrey Boone of the Boone Law Firm, representing the uh, rezoning applicant, I have been sworn. Um, uh, much like the uh, immediately preceding um, public hearing, we've made our presentation, entered our competent and substantial evidence testimony at the first reading. We'd ask to have that incorporated into the record for this reading, and we won't repeat any of that. Um, if you all have any questions, though, we have our full team here, and we'd be prepared to answer any questions, and we would respectfully uh, request your approval on second and final reading of the rezoning. Thank you. Thank you. Staff. Good evening, for the record, Elena Ray, Director of Development Services. Uh, staff provided competent, substantial evidence and a presentation at the first reading for this rezoning. And we would request respectfully that that uh, testimony be brought forward into the record for this reading. Uh, staff has nothing further to add to that testimony at this time, but is happy to answer any questions the commission may have. All right, thank you. All right, moving on to rebuttal. Mr. Boone is in the queue for the applicant. Uh, yes, ma'am. Jeff Boone, for the record, no rebuttal. All right, staff. For the record, Elena Ray, Director of Development Services, and staff has no rebuttal. All right, and again, for the record, there are no aggrieved parties. Uh, public comment. I have Diane Sutton does not wish to speak to this item, but she does oppose it. And Cynthia Cunningham. Cynthia, did you stand when I did the oath? Yes. Okay, thank you. Hi, good afternoon or evening, sorry. Uh, I'm Cynthia Cunningham, and I'm a brand-new homeowner to Northport, and my husband and I spent five, probably three or four years looking for an area to move in. We visited a lot. We settled on Northport because of the just the, the family atmosphere that we had, and I'm referring to Activity Center 6. I'm in the small neighborhood of Barcelona and um, Price. So, um, you know, we're being zoned in Activity 6, which means our property is now going to be non-conforming. And I just, you know, there's eight brand new homes that just were built and people are moving in. And it's a small neighborhood. And I just ask, I know that we have filled out a lot of, um, we, we've done petitions, we've given it to the commission, we've given it to the staff, and it's just going nowhere. And I just ask that we... If you just move it a little bit, this is a small neighborhood. If you look at it on the map, you can see that all it is is homes there. And putting commercial businesses there is just, it's its not conducive to this little neighborhood that's there. So that's, that's all. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, okay. Moving on to commissioner questions. I'm seeing none. So we'll move to closing argument. arguments. No aggrieved party, staff, closing arguments. I'm sorry, I went out of order, didn't I? Yeah. Staff got caught off guard there for a second. That's to keep you, keep for the you on record, your toes. Elena, yeah. Elena Ray, Director of Development Services. Uh, staff has no closing arguments other than um, to uh, 
reiterate that staff uh, does support the project and recommends approval and the Planning and Zoning Advisory Board also recommended approval. Thank you. Applicant, closing arguments. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair, Commissioners. Uh, Jeffrey Boone, uh, for the record, representing the applicant. Um, as, as far as closing goes, we would just repeat that uh, our presentation uh, had provided uh, adequate, competent, substantial evidence in support of the approval of the application. This rezoning application is consistent with the city's comprehensive plan since you just approved on second reading the comprehensive plan amendment. And we would be, uh, we would respectfully request a vote of approval. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Moving. I'm closing this portion of the public hearing and requesting a motion. I'll make a motion, Madam Mayor. All right. I move to approve ordinance number 2023-32 and find that based on the competent substantial evidence, the rezoning will not adversely affect the public interest, health, safety, and general welfare, and that the specific requirements in the city of Northport comprehensive plan and the standards listed in section 1-33E parentheses one of the Unified Land Development Code have been met. Second. All right, we have a motion to approve ordinance number 2023-32 by Commissioner Langdon and seconded by Vice Mayor Stokes and find that based on competent substantial evidence, the rezoning will not adversely affect the public interest, health, safety, and general welfare, and that the specific requirements in the City of Northport Comprehensive Plan and the standards listed in Section 1-33.E1 of the United Unified Land Development Code have been met. If there's nothing further, let's vote. And that passes four to one with Commissioner McDowell dissenting. Commissioner McDowell, would you like to comment? Yeah, I dissented because we keep rezoning, we keep taking up these large parcels of land for more residential, and this is going to adversely affect our city at some point in the future because we need that land for commercial space on our gateway roads in the future. Um, Rezoning it, we're not going to have it when we need it. All right, thank you. Moving on to the next section, which is petition A, DMP 23 121. Uh, this is a quasi judicial hearing, and city clerk, can you read the petition title and swear in those wishing to provide testimony? Consideration of petition number DMP-23-121, Serenity Multifamily Development Master Plan. Can everyone wishing to provide testimony please stand and raise your right hand. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to provide is true and accurate to the best of your knowledge to help you guide? Thank you. All right, moving to disclosure of ex parte communications, Commissioner McDowell. I get it out. Sorry. Um, the ex parte communications I have is a meeting with a developer in August of 23 uh, to show, show me the revised plans. 
I've held a few town halls where this um, project has come before me and with questions, um, I had to explain the development process procedures and quasi-judicial purposes. Um, I had no information to share with them. Uh, I had various meetings and conversations with citizens regarding the development procedures and processes and emails that were generally connected to the comp plan amendment and the rezoning um, I would assume are part of this DMP. So I have sent all those emails to the clerk for the record. Thank you, Commissioner Langdon. No new ex parte for me. Um, I met back in November um, with the new, new and improved revised plan for this and nothing since then on this uh, development plan. Vice Mayor. Um, I too just had a meeting, I'm not sure if it was August or November with the developer uh, where I saw the revised plan. And then I received a number of emails which uh, uh, are in the clerk's uh, possession that have been forwarded on same emails that I believe each one of us received. Thank you, That's Commissioner it. Emmerich. Yeah, I have nothing new, but I did meet with the developers on the revised plan, uh, same as Vice Mayor, either August or November of last year. That's all I have. All right. Thank you. All right, City Clerk, any aggrieved parties? Okay. We'll move on to presentations. Applicant, you are up first. Uh, good evening, Madam Chair, members of the Commission. For the record, Jeffrey Boone of the Boone Law Firm uh, representing uh, the applicant uh, for the DMP uh, who is before you with an approved uh, comprehensive plan amendment and rezoning for the subject property. Uh, I'm going to, uh, uh, well, let me say this. We have the DMP before you for approval as well as one modification, which we will uh, explain as we go forward. I'd like to introduce Mr. Michael Belfonte the CEO of Belfonte Company. I know you all uh, met him at the last uh, public uh, round of public hearings. And Mr. Belfonte is going to uh, introduce Mr. Orlenza. Hi. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for having us. Um, I'd like, do we have a slide? Uh, please, I don't know which buttons to push, sorry. Yes, I've been sworn. Thank you. <clears throat> I could probably wing it by this point. So, Madam Chair, if we could stop the clock while we yes. Oh, thank, thank you, uh, Madam Clerk. <laughs> uh, 
We have someone from IT here in case you just wanted to. Okay. Thank you again for uh, having me here this evening. Um, we had gone through what uh, our company does and where we're located. We're in Connecticut. We, uh, we own and manage uh, 3,000 apartment units. We're in development with four right now across the United States and Boston here and here in, uh, in Florida as well. But uh, I want to introduce uh, Mark Frelenza, who is going to talk about the uh, comprehensive plan amendment. Um, you've seen all this before, so I'm not going to bore you with this. Our engineers, uh, Kimley Horn, as you know, um, we have six development properties, like I said, but four right now that are being built. Uh, our related company is MCR Property Management. Um, we manage all our own assets. Um, I know you've all seen this before, but this is our one of our deals mm -hmm. in Cromwell that we just finished, Cromwell, Connecticut. Um, here's some of the exteriors and interiors. Uh, this is a project we're doing up in Litchfield. It's a condominium for sale project. Um, again, the interiors and exteriors of this project. Um, this is a project we're doing in Rocky Hill, Connecticut, 200 and 13 units. It's a mixed-use project with approximately 20,000 square feet of commercial. Um, and uh, I'd like to talk to you again about, um, I'm getting ahead of myself here. So, Mark, do you want to come up here? Mark Perlenza was with Spinnaker and also with Avalon Bay. And uh, I'll let you. Yeah, thank you. Um, good, e good evening, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Mark Perlenz, and I've been sworn. Um, I will take over the next part of the presentation over the next couple of slides. What I will do for you tonight is, is go through just a couple of things. Um, there were some questions at the last meeting about our target market and who this development mm -hmm. is, is, is uh, targeted to, so I will go through that briefly. Um, and then I will show you and take you through the site plan, um, and then lastly, I'll take you through the comparison of the two plans. Um, the plan that we proposed to the neighbors early last year, and then the new plan that you guys have talked about and all seen. But we'll just go through it again, um, sort of point by point, to show you how we sort of address the neighbors' concerns. Um, so this community, this 180 apartment homes, is targeted to a very exclusive portion of the rental market. It's what we call a rental-by-choice market. These are folks that can afford to buy homes um, but choose to live in rental apartments for lifestyle considerations. Um, they're, they're affluent, they're well-heeled, and they expect hotel-caliber services, which we try to provide in communities like this that we have built across, you know, across the Northeast and now the South. Um, in general, our, our target market um, 
is, is, is gravitating to more of a sort of a barbell type of target market. Um, the first target market that we, these communities serve are young professionals, all people that have grown up in the area, um, that may now be employed in the area, maybe employed future in the area, that want to stay in the area to work or um, just maintain their residence here. These young professionals, they're coming out of college, coming out of grad school, working in certain professions. The second part of that barbell um, is empty nesters, people that who, who reside in Northport or the surrounding areas, and they choose to sell their homes and stay in a community like this so they can live carefree. Um, in general, those are the two um, types of people that will live in this type of community. Um, and again, they're affluent, um, well-heeled, probably at this community, at the average household income will probably be about $120,000 to $140,000 a year, which will put you know, several million dollars a year of discretionary income into the community where they'll, where they'll, where they'll spend their money. Um, secondly, secondly let's, let, I just wanted to take you through the site plan. This is the site plan that is, um, that is before you right now. Um, it's 180 apartment homes with a mix of approximately 50% you know, one bedrooms and 50% two bedrooms. Um, we picked that mix, um, you know, you know, directly um, because we understand that, that we wanted to have a net positive fiscal impact to the um, to the town. Um, and in, in your staff reports, it, it shows that over five years, there's a net positive, net fiscal positive impact of about two million dollars. The ones and two bedrooms, there's no three bedrooms here, you know, hardly generate any school aged kids. So I heard some conversation mm -hmm. last time, so I just wanted to just to reiterate that. And one bedrooms. You don't generate any school-age kids. I think the ratio is you generate one school-age kid for every 100 apartment homes. So in general, when the young professional starts to have, they may have toddlers, but once they start to go into the, um, once they start to get into the school age, they kind of buy a house, you know, either in your community or sort of the neighboring communities. And then two bedrooms in general generate about 10 school-age kids per 100. So that's why the, that's why communities such as this is very fiscally positive to the to the to the you know, to the city. Um, we have our 180 apartments in eight buildings, and an additional building um, is an 8,500 square foot clubhouse where we'll have our, sort of our nucleus of the community. It's where our leasing staff stays. It's where we'll have um, you know we'll have our gym, we'll have our fitness center, we'll have you know, offices, um, and as you can see, there's there's also quite a big pool. Um, this is sort of the focal of our community where everyone everyone sort of gets together and residents where they mingle and, and they and they have this lifestyle that they've that they've chosen to have. Um, and then lastly, I just wanted to show you again sort of how this plan has evolved um, over the last probably several years. Um, when we first presented the plan to the left, um, we presented to the neighbors and we heard probably about six things. But the first thing we heard was that it was too dense. They were, there was second thing is there was traffic concerns. You know, a lot of the buildings were too close to the property line. Um, we also heard there was nothing in it for the community. The site was sort of too dense, too developed, um, and a number of other things. We we got together with our consultants and we came up with um, sort of the plan that you see to your right, um, which is now 180 apartment homes. Uh, if you notice what we did, is we sort of centralized the development in the community on the, in the center. Um, eliminating all the buildings on the outside of the perimeter. Um, and we felt that this, this plan where the development was centralized in this core um, sort of addressed all six of the, all, all six of the neighbor's concerns. Um, we, we, so, so one, density was reduced. 
the traffic impacts will not impact the development since there since there are both entries our, our emergency access and our primary entry are um, on Toledo Bay, Toledo Bay Boulevard. Um, we pushed the buildings back as far as we could to the to the center. So now we have approximately a football field away from any one three-story building to any one house. I think the, 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 the closest is 266 feet. And that was sort of the standard that we picked. We tried to say we're going to be a football field away from any house. And that, that was sort of the standard we, that we shot for. So that's, that's also incorporated um, in the plan. And I've been doing this for a long time. The fourth thing that we did is two-thirds of the site is not developed. It's open space. It's kind of really unheard of for a, a community of this size, of this type to have two thirds of the two thirds of the, uh, of the of the land area open space. And again, I spoke I spoke about the traffic. And then lastly, what we tried to do, trying to address that sort of was not nothing was in it for the community. We have this small pocket park at the you know at the top of the site that will be built for the community, exclusive to the community. Um, we were asked to put a community asked us to put a perimeter fence around the property so um, our residents would have wouldn't sort of meander through um, through the, our property into the neighborhood so we agreed to do that also um, and though we would have preferred a connection to that pocket park with our community there is none right now so that just be exclusively for, for the neighbor um, and then And then lastly, you can see you can see our architecture. It's architecture. It's um, sort of a modern interpretation of sort of old Floridian Mediterranean with coral stone on the on the first level, stucco, and, and sort of Mediterranean tiles on the roof. And we will have you know the landscaping sort of will enhance enhance that look. I'll turn it over to now Cena, um, who's going to go over in a little more detail, sort of sort of showing you sort of the specific, the specific impacts. That, that we tried to uh, mitigate to the to the neighbors in his presentation. Thank you, Mark. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Sina Ibrahimi with Kimley Honer and Associates, professional engineer in the state of Florida. And I have been sworn in. I'm going to elaborate a little bit on the on the items Mark discussed um, as it relates to the site plan. Uh, everyone knows we met with staff. We met with residents about a year ago. Heard some of the concerns, and you know, accommodated to those concerns in the site plan you see in front of us. As part of the DMP process, as most of us are aware, uh, environmental study is required. Environmentalist walks the site, looks for pre preservation areas, wetlands, uplands, ditches, um, protected species. In our case, um, there were no wetlands observed on site. However, there were protected species. Uh, those protected species were gopher go turtles burrows. Um, the site plan you see in front of you identifies those burrows. Uh, the yellow, <coughs> the yellow bubbles identify the burrows that will be preserved, maintained, and protected through construction and development. Um, and the red bubbles identify those that will be relocated per state and local requirements. A total of 24 boroughs were identified on site. Of those 24, 18 will be preserved and six will be relocated. Elaborating a little bit more on you know, what Mark had uh, discussed as far as refining the site plan, hearing some of the neighbors, the biggest concerns were the buffering, the screening, the visual corridors, the setbacks. This diagram in front of us demonstrates some of those kind of by dimension. Um, just for context, the minimum uh, buffer around the property is 10 feet. In our case, uh, the minimum buffer we're providing is anywhere from 20 feet to the nearest parking lot along Toledo, up to 200 feet from the clubhouse to the, the uh, property line. Um, in addition, setbacks for reference are 25 feet for this type of development around the perimeter, 
In our case, the nearest uh, setback dimension is 50 feet for the garbage enclosures, and anywhere up to over 200 feet from the nearest buildings to the property lines. Um, this diagram here depicts some of the dimensions as it relates to single-family residents and the existing residential buildings. And for, as Mark alluded to, about a football field away, 260 plus feet from those um, from from those visual buffers between the single-family and the multifamily. Um, a little bit more as it relates to access. Mark alluded to two two points of access on Toledo Blade Boulevard. Uh, primary access being on the southern location. Uh, a, a turn lane is required as part of our DMP, so we will be proposing a northbound left turn lane on the primary access as well on the secondary access. This is where we kind of considered our back of house, tucked our garbage enclosure, lift station, dog park, maintenance facility, all the facilities that would normally make noise throughout the development. Uh, the idea here was that the garbage truck doesn't need to make the loud beeping noise circulating the site. It comes in and out and leaves the site without um, making any noise disturbance, tucking it as far as away we can from the single family. Uh, the site plan here, Belfonte went above and beyond as it relates to taking a tree survey, identifying the native heritage trees, identifying those trees that are healthy that should be preserved and considered throughout the development, both around the perimeter and uh, on, within the development itself. Um, the, the kind of the dark green hatches you, hear, you see here are the existing trees that will be preserved, over 360 trees that were identified as you know, healthy trees that should be preserved within the buffering. In addition, we're proposing an additional 300 plus trees on top of the buffering, this by no means is a code minimum product, going above and beyond identifying several trees like magnolia, pine, oaks, uh, other types of palms, such as sable palms throughout the foundation perimeters and so forth. Mark alluded to, and I'm going to demonstrate it, this site plan screams buffering and screams open space. 67% of the property is open space. Just for context, multifamily development of such nature is usually vice versa. 30% is usually developed. 30% uh, is usually open space, 60% developed in our case. We're going with 30% developed, 60% undeveloped, plus or minus. This is kind of visual corridor as it relates to the street view of what you would be seeing, what you'd be seeing if you were at, at the single family residence looking at, at the nearest multifamily building. Uh, in our case, plus 260 feet. This is to scale, kind of giving you a dimension of regarding height and um, depth as far as where those buildings reside as it relates to the single family residence. Again, hearing the neighbor's concerns, biggest thing was buffering, visual corridors, and so forth. Just hitting on utilities as part of the DMP process required to analyze the water sewer and drainage for the infrastructure of the development. Um, water and sewer will be publicly serviced by the city of Northport Utilities Department. Uh, bless you. <laughs> and um, in discussions with them, the points of connections that you have we have identified here have been confirmed with the city of Northport. We have received a water sewer capacity letter for our development. Um, Developed, uh, water will be utilizing uh, water main along South Toledo Blade Boulevard on the south side of, of paper south of our development, considering a loop system that enhances pressures, as well as uh, for sewer, we'll be doing a private gravity system that discharges a private lift station on site that discharges a forced main uh, near uh, Fernway Drive and Toledo Blade. As it relates to drainage, uh, drainage analysis was very extensive for this development. Um, you know, we went back and forth with Elizabeth Wong. We actually ran some preliminary hydrology calculations, which is pretty rare at this stage in the game. But again, just to make sure we're not adversely impacting adjacent neighbors. Um, the property will be discharging to our ditch along Lovett Road, that then discharges to Cocoa Plum Roadway to Mayaka River. Uh, then the diagram here demonstrates in red what we had originally came in with our, our utility layout. But again, Belfonte went above and beyond, told us to consider some means and methods through construction, excavation, trenching, and so forth. And making sure what we're putting in plan today is actually going to preserve those trees and those buffer areas 
So the red is the first stab at our utilities and the blue, we kind of refined it to identify those trees again and minimizing those impacts to the development. Um, sorry, I rushed through, we're just running out of time. I'd be happy to answer any questions and I'm gonna turn it over to Travis. <laughs> Thank you, Sina. Keep it brief. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Bob Abrusa with Kimberly Horn. I am a professional engineer and traffic engineer for the state of Florida. I'll be brief. You probably heard a lot of these things here. And uh, just a couple of just a summary of things. Traffic study was prepared and submitted to the city staff for a review and approval at that point. Sina made mention about some of the main things that from that study, including two access points, the southern, uh, the northern access point, and the southern, uh, which is a full access point at that point. Um, we are basically, uh, again, going to be constructing a northbound left turn lane at the southern driveway for better access and safety. And uh, basically here to answer any questions that you may have for that as we go forward with this. At this point, I'm gonna turn it over to, to Michael. To Jeff now. And I have, by the way, I have been sworn. I don't know if I said that. Uh, thank you, commissioners. Uh, with the last two and a half minutes here, I want to, uh, I know you all have had a chance to read this in the staff report before you got here, but we do have the one, um, <clears throat> the one modification, which is for uh, apartments or dwelling units to be smaller than the 900 square feet. Um, well, uh, we understand that there's been several of those approvals uh, granted in the city uh, already. I believe we're, we are requesting uh, uh, units as small as 650 square feet. I don't think at this point that's what our, uh, the developers proposed to do. It'd probably be the smaller ones would probably be more in the 700, 750 square foot range, but they wanted to have the flexibility just in case the market might change a little bit to go to that level. So we would request that modification. Um, <clears throat> you've heard from all of our experts, uh, as well as from the representatives of the, of the company. And uh, uh, we would uh, respectfully request your approval of the DMP. And uh, at the appropriate time, I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Going to move on to presentation by staff. Good evening, Elena Ray, Director of Development Services. I have been sworn. Um, this project uh, has gone through quite an evolution over the last little more than a year, um, not just from the project itself, but from uh, the staff who have supported it. We have uh, the project planner on this would normally present this to you. Um, however, that project planner is on extended personal leave. Uh, the Direct, Assistant Director of Development Services, Ms. Barnes, presented, uh, would have presented this to you tonight. Um, she is also out on leave at the moment, so you get me. <laughs> <laughs> um, this 
project came to us um, as a significantly different project in November of 2022. Uh, they're currently asking for 180 units multifamily development at Toledo Blade, north of Hillsboro and south of Price. The parcel is 18.63 acres, roughly. Um, the staff held a pre-application meeting with the applicant on December 7th of 2022, and we went through multiple iterations of this project, especially following the neighborhood meeting, the first neighborhood meeting that the applicants had. Uh, staff did review it for consistency with the comprehensive plan and compliance with the city's unified land development code. Um, the comments back from staff were either no objection or uh, meets requirements with conditions, and we have three conditions that are included uh, in your staff report and included in the ordinance for adoption. Uh, the applicant held a second neighborhood meeting on August 10th that reflected the uh, project as it appears before you. Uh, approximately 40 people attended that meeting, and the meeting minute notes are in your packet. As I said, the, media, the uh, project is between Price and Hillsboro on Toledo Blade on the west side of Toledo Blade. As was presented and approved before you tonight, the uh, zoning on the property is now residential multifamily. The uh, comprehensive plan future land use is uh, medium density residential. You have uh, seen in the applicant's presentation the uh, site plan uh, as it appears before you now. Um, this is the, the second iteration. Um, I would like to point out, and, and the applicant did discuss this, but the site does have a significant number of gopher tortoise burrows, and those are depicted on the site plan uh, as to which burrows will be preserved and which will be relocated. This is, this is significantly different from how Northport has typically handled development and our natural resources. And this serves as an example of how we would like development to occur going forward uh, in, in tandem with our natural resources. And our natural resources team will be following this project very, very closely. Numerous site visits will be made before uh, development occurs, before any, clear, uh, any uh, clearing of the property occurs to ensure that proper measures are taken to uh, protect those on-site gopher tortoises as well as the trees that are being preserved. As, as the applicant stated, over 300 trees being preserved, that's a significant improvement over what we typically see and that is what we want to see going forward. We will be ensuring that uh, during development, those trees are protected in a way that will ensure their survival long term. There is one modification of our ULDC regulations. Uh, as you heard a moment ago, that is the 900 square feet uh, minimum square footage for apartments. If the applicant is requesting to go as low as 650 square feet, staff does support the modification. Uh, as in, in compliance with our comprehensive plan, our economic development policy to create more diverse housing, 
uh, and provide for a different segment of um, our housing population for younger workers and those who um, desire to live in a smaller uh, space. Staff did review the project for compliance with the comprehensive plan, future land use element, found that it does meet the goal and object goal one and objective one for um, development, um, as well as meeting the economic benefit to the city. It, the fiscal analysis that staff conducted showed that the economic benefit to the city is just over $2 million over the first five years of the project. The project uh, staff also determined that it is in compliance with policy 1.1 um, and it as medium density residential, it complies with the uh, Florida statutes as well. The transportation element uh, was reviewed for uh, compatibility. It does provide adequate access management. Uh, it limits the proliferation of driveways along our arterial roadway, and they do have two, are proposing two entrances uh, to their project from Toledo Blade. There will be no traffic access from this project into the neighborhood. This project also satisfies the comprehensive plan's housing element, uh, goals, objectives, and policies in providing uh, not only infill development uh, in, within the community where we have access to um, city water and sewer, but also provides different types of housing within the city. This is a more luxury um, product on the eastern side of the city and provides uh, a different housing um, opportunity than what we typically have in that area. There are quite a few policies in the housing element and we did review against all of those, um, as well as the economic development element of the comprehensive plan um, has a goal of achieving an economically stable community and that includes um, the expansion of um, job opportunities and uh, additional housing for the, the employment segment sector. There are several policies within the economic development uh, element that do talk about suburban infill, neighborhood infill, and different types of housing options, and staff did review against those. Staff also reviewed for compliance with the Unified Land Development Code, uh, specifically the residential multifamily uh, district and the uh, provisions associated with that zoning designation. The design standards, um, I will note there's a typo on this table and I apologize, the proposed project is not 188.63 acres, unless it has um, grown significantly <laughs> in the last few minutes. It should be 18.63 acres. I think a key got stuck. Um, what this table demonstrates though is that this project goes far beyond um, what our ULDC uh, calls for as far as open space, um, height limitations, um, the lot coverage, um, and even parking. Uh, so the, the density is, is below what could be allowed of up to 15 units per acre. This is holding at 9.6 units per acre. Uh, the minimum lot size for the ULDC is 8,700 square feet for this use. Uh, they are providing 18 acres, 18.63 acres. 
the maximum lot coverage, this is where you see a significant difference in the design of this project. The ULDC requirement is a maximum lot coverage of 35%. Their maximum is less than 13%. So there is uh, much less impervious coverage on this project than what could be uh, allowed under the zoning district. Minimum open space is 35% according to the ULDC, and they are proposing to uh, maintain almost 67% open space. Uh, the next is where you see the, the modification that's being requested from 900 square feet uh, for each unit uh, to 650 square feet, potentially as a minimum square footage. Minimum setbacks. Uh, for the front and the rear of this property, uh, the ULDC requires 25-foot setback. Their setbacks are significantly higher. Front is 97 feet. The rear is 108 feet. And then on the sides, they are providing 115 feet. So it is uh, a large area between their buildings and um, any of the single-family homes in the neighborhood behind them. Maximum building height under the RMF zoning district is 70 feet. They are keeping their buildings at 42 feet. And I will also note that um, there will be one-story garages between those uh, multi-story buildings and the single-family <coughs> homes. So there will be a visual um, uh, increase that is gradual rather than um, just a two- or three-story building right in front of them. Additionally, the landscape buffers, um, though the code requires a Type B, as the applicant mentioned, they are preserving uh, 300, over 300 trees on the property. Trees that are in those buffer areas that are native trees will be preserved. So we, as I said, we will be working with their team to ensure that those trees have adequate protection during development. And then on parking, uh, they are required to have 290 spaces. They are providing 343 spaces. Uh, the applicant was notified of the public hearing by email on November 14th, and the petition was advertised in a newspaper as required by our code and Florida statutes on November 20th. Additionally, the property owners within 1,320 feet of the subject property were notified uh, by postcard mailed on November 20th. Copies of the uh, notices, the required notices, are provided in your packet and in the presentation. Uh, staff does recommend approval of petition DMP 23-121 with the three conditions and the modification requested. And staff is happy to answer any questions that you might have. All right. Thank you. Wow. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, moving on to... Hold on a second. Yep, we'll have time for that. Uh, rebuttals. Rebuttal by the applicant. Five minutes. Uh, Jeffrey Boone for the applicant. No rebuttal. Thank you. Rebuttal by staff. <coughs> Elena Ray, Director of Development Services. No rebuttal. Thank you. Any public comment? Okay. All right, so we're ready for commissioner questions. Vice Mayor Stokes. I really don't have any questions. I'd just like to say that this presentation, both from applicant and staff, was one of the best presentations I've seen 
And you guys, though, groupie, are to be commended for really hearing the people during the public hearings, addressing the concerns, and even in the presentation, it pointed to all the things that have been done in this project to really be sensitive to the things that we as a commission and our citizens are concerned about. This is gonna be, I believe, a wonderful project for this area. It's beautiful, it's gonna fit in well, and if, if where I live up in Welland Park and the apartments I'm renting right now are any indication, this project's gonna rent out overnight. So thank you very much. Okay, Commissioner Langdon. I apologize for being redundant, no questions, but I wanted to make a comment, which was to recognize the efforts of this applicant in developing I don't think it's going to help. I'm losing my voice to the pleasure of uh, my fellow commissioners, I'm sure. But I just wanted to recognize your efforts to really incorporate the feedback you got from the community and from staff, and specifically reducing that development area to just a third of the property, I think, is above and beyond the call to duty. And I, I really commend you for that. Um, I also appreciate moving the development to the center of that property to increase the buffers with the surrounding community. Um, I, I think the effect of your design on those surrounding communities is more that they have a park <laughs> um, in their immediate area and not really a higher density um, living arrangement. And then finally, preservation of our natural resources. The real effort to save trees um, was really commendable. And um, I stop for gopher tortoises and I move them. So I really appreciate your saving as many of those burrows as you did. So well done and well done to staff. Takes two to tango. Um, and I really appreciate the efforts on both sides. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Langton. Commissioner McDowell. Yeah, um, I'll save my comments for after my questions, if you don't mind, Mayor. Um, got it. I do have a few questions about the DMP. Um, the left turn lane on Toledo Blade that is required. Who is doing that? Just for the record, who's required to install it? Elena Ray, Director of Development Services. For the record, uh, the applicant will be required to install that turn lane. Okay, and can you tell me when is that usually done? Uh, that will be done in tandem with the de actual development. So before CO? I would, yes. <laughs> All right, so you know me. These documents survive all of us. Is it possible to put that as a condition that the left turn lane has to be installed prior to CO? Actually, I think that is in our concurrency regulations already. You so, think or it is? No, I can, let me. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be, I truly am not trying to be difficult. I understand. Because traffic, based on previous conversations, is a huge concern. And if they're required to do something, I don't want it to fall off the wayside. That's all. And, and I apologize, um, because it is part of the DMP, it is called out on the site plan. It does have to be installed before we will issue a CO. Thank you very much. 
appreciate that clarity and, and reassurance. Um, don't go too far. I think this next one might also be for you. Could you please put the impacts um, financial um, sure. analysis up on the screen for everybody? It'll be easier to ask my question. All right, if you look at impact fees in year one, it's zero. Years two and three, it's almost a half a million dollars. I am curious, why are we doing impact fees in year two and year three instead of at CO, which is year one? They wouldn't be reflected in that year's budget. It would be the next year's. I'm sorry. So when we, we, get, the, we get the impact fees by CO, that first year, it's not going to reflect in the city's budget. It would reflect in the next year's budget. Okay, so why is it then in year three? I'm not following you, but I'm trying to follow your logic. But then sometimes, well, and the algorithms of this fiscal analysis, I can't speak to. Um, but I do know that sometimes we will have buildings CO'd at different times. Each building in an apartment complex is CO'd individually. And we often have some buildings that will come online first and be filled, and they will pay the impact fees on those. And then they, as the others come online, we CO those buildings, and that's when the impact fees for those buildings and units are paid for. So we have had, um, and I think that's probably why the algorithm splits it out into two years, because the COs are not always issued in the same year for the entire development. Okay. Okay. I'll go along with that. I just, if you could confirm or deny, are they requesting a deferral? Because that's what I thought they this was. They are not was. requesting a deferral. That's what I thought this was. On the record, first. they are not requesting a deferral. For that? Um, oh, the park. And I think this might be for the developer. Um, can you kind of describe or tell me a little bit more of what your little park will consist of? A couple of citizens were like, what is that? Uh, Commissioner, Mr. Uh, Belfonte will respond to that. And I think this is clear. We just want to make sure everybody knows this park was not a requirement of mm -hmm. the developer. It was something that the developer decided to do for the good of the. We'll get to the comments on that one. <laughs> we, uh, we decided to create this park for the neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, it's really up to them what they'd like to do there. Um, we're going to leave it up to the decision of the neighbors, possibly a, maybe a dog park, maybe a a pensive park, maybe a, a goldfish pond. I mean, you know, we're pretty much amenable to doing anything that they want that will, you know, help the neighborhood. Sounds good. Please don't do the goldfish pond. It'll attract <laughs> the, the raccoons. Okay. <laughs> um, speaking of wildlife, yes, I heard you say that there is going to be a perimeter fencing around the property. Correct. Okay. If you could bring up your little gopher tortoise circle map. Please. Where'd it go? <coughs> Excellent. Okay, so 
I would assume it's going to go, your fence perimeter fence will probably be on the property line, give or take. Correct, currently. Tell me about the fence. What are you envisioning? Because I'm I'm seeing gopher tortoises not being able to freely move across the street in, in the right of way, come and go, if the fence is going to barricade them in only on your property. Uh, and your gopher tortoises like to travel. So is the fence going to be raised a little bit above the ground so they can go underneath? We're, uh, we're certainly amenable to that if that's the travel pattern of the gopher tortoises. You know, if, if you think that's a good idea, then we're amenable to it. Yeah, and I think that might... Probably a good idea, actually. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Oh, if you have a gopher... Maybe, go, maybe our neighborhood, our, our environmental group will be able to... Yes, our uh, natural resources team has a lot of experience with gopher tortoises, uh, with their protection, with their habitat. They'll be working with this, this team to ensure that um, there is nothing that's going to harm them and that they're not impeded in their travels, uh, as well as to ensure that they have adequate um, foraging vegetation on site. Right. Or even off site, but if the fence is down to the ground, right. they're not going to be able to forage. So right. that, that's one of the things I heard when I heard about the uh -huh. perimeter fencing. So if I may, Mayor, can I make comments or do you want me to yield? You can go on to your comments. Okay, sure. So after hearing from a wide variety of citizens after your first neighborhood meeting um, and trying to calm their, their fears um, that this is a process, um, I am so grateful that you guys heard that meeting. You heard the discontent and you adjusted your plans. You are to be commended for that. Um, I think that is absolutely admirable. And what you came up with, there's nobody here, so it must have been okay. Granted, they aren't happy about the rezone. They're not happy about the entire development. But there's nobody here speaking against it because they, they realize, in my opinion, that you have gone above and beyond to alleviate their fears, have that huge buffer. Football fields? Yeah. Um, and you are protecting the gopher tortoises. You did reduce almost by a third, almost a third, the amount of units. You removed buildings. So you really, really listened to the community and to the citizens. I think during our one-on-one -on -one meeting, I expressed some concerns, and you listened to those. Uh, staff is to be commended for working with you and you working with staff. Um, I, I just want to say I wish all development was like this, where there was this give and take and this compromise and that you wanted to be good neighbors in your new home of Northport with this development. So thank you very, very much. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Good. Good, good uh, comments. I just wanted to put my two cents in, too. Um, again, I have to echo that. This is such a great example of uh, when when people are listened to and making accommodations and and hearing what was important for the people who surround that area and actually doing uh, something positive. To me, this looks like a real quality development, and I, I especially was intrigued by who you said this you were targeting to move in here: young professionals with salary ranges of one hundred and twenty to one hundred and forty thousand dollars. Because I think. At our, our last uh, 
meeting about the comp plan change. We're hearing people didn't want apartments and they had this con concept in their head that this was not something they were going to want, but um, this certainly is something that is needed. Like you said, those who want to come to Northport and have a the Florida lifestyle but don't want to have a single family house, um, this is it. Um, the Gopher Tortoises, very happy to, to uh, learn about that because um, the other option for this property, I understand, would have been just having it be quarter acres. And I know that um, all those gopher tortoises, those burrows would unlikely be, be uh, saved. Uh, it doesn't happen on quarter acre parcels. So I'm really happy to see that by doing this type of a development, we can concentrate the green spaces and, and really appreciate them. Um, of course, I'm happy that I counted it's 361 trees and palms that you're keeping on the site, which is wonderful. That means that that vegetation that's around them, the native, of course, you're going to get rid of the pepper trees, but will be kept. And also, I've, I've been pointing out to people that when development projects come in with the DMP, and I don't know if we call it a development order anymore, but when, okay, you still do. Um, when you put in trees and they die, they need to be replaced. Whereas on quarter acre lots with single family houses, I have seen this for decades that you know tree, trees are they die they don't have to replace them uh, they cut trees down if they don't want them but here this is going to be maintained and actually continue to grow and add to our city so um, I tell people that is the one I, I shouldn't say that's not the one it's one of the benefits of having an HOA or a planned community they're going to look after that landscaping and trees to be sure that it becomes what it what we look at these nice little pictures here, it actually will become that. So um, I wanted to point that out. Um, and the pocket park, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see that. And again, when you're saying you're going to listen to see what they'd like to, to see in there, again, it's, it's people need to know that they are being listened to. And this is a, a great example of that. So um, that is my two cents worth. So I think, let me see what I have on my list here. We're through with questions. So closing arguments by staff. You're up first. Elena Riney for the record, Director of Development Services. Um, staff just would like to state that we do support and recommend approval of the project and the Planning and Zoning Advisory Board also recommended approval. Okay. Applicant closing arguments. Uh, yes, ma'am. Commissioners, for the record, Jeff Boone, <coughs> attorney for the applicant. Uh, in closing, I just address a couple things. Although, first, I do want to say that, that for somebody just to walk up and do a staff report, uh, Elena did a pretty good job. <laughs> so, so, uh, uh, so that, that was great. Um, <laughs> Um, I know how difficult it is. <clears throat> Two things, Commissioner, just want to mention. First of all, um, <clears throat> uh, I think you all mentioned it, but we and we talked about it at the last meeting, but um, we're really pleased to be able to provide this type of <clears throat> uh, housing opportunity for Northport, especially in view of the hospital coming and the <clears throat> medical community that will grow. Everybody thinks about the hospital, but it's all the doctors, offices, and, and their staff and all that come along with that. I can tell you that uh, around the Sarasota Memorial Venice new hospital, uh, Jackson and I have worked on a, 
a bunch of new apartment developments in that area. Yep. And our clients have all remarked to us how surprised they were at how quickly they filled up. And although the hospital isn't the only reason, it's one of the major reasons is because there's a growing healthcare community in that area. And um, so that's what I think uh, we have to look forward to in Northport, and that's great. Um, <clears throat> finally, and for the record, uh, the we we didn't have a chance to go through the comp plan consistency and the ULDC consistency because we needed to take our 20 minutes to tell you about the plan. But we do agree uh, and concur with what the staff had in their staff report about consistency with the comp plan and the ULDC. We are consistent with the comp plan. We are consistent with the ULDC. And we would respectfully request your uh, vote of approval on the DMP. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And we don't have any aggrieved parties. So I'm going to close this public hearing and request a motion. And just to clarify, there's one condition or three conditions? There, there are three. And they have to be stated in the motion. Is that correct? No? There, there are three conditions and one modification request. Oh, OK. All right. So I'm looking for a motion. I'll make a motion if you'd like Go to. Go ahead, Commissioner McCall. I will attempt to do it. Mm -hmm. I'll make a motion to approve with modifications and conditions. I'm sorry, let me start over. I move to approve petition number DMP 23121 <coughs> with the one modification request in section two of the staff report and the three conditions outlined in section four of the staff report item conditions one through three. And find that based on the competent substantial evidence, the development master plan and the modifications and conditions comply and are consistent with the intent of the Unified Land Development Code and the comprehensive plan and do not adversely affect the public interest. Second. All right. Second. <laughs> Thank you. I do have a motion made by Commissioner McDowell and seconded by Commissioner Langdon. Uh, can we have that read back? <coughs> to approve petition number DMP 23121 with one modification listed in section two of the staff report and the three conditions outlined in section four of the staff report, item conditions one through three, and find that based on competent substantial evidence, the development master plan and the modification and conditions comply and are consistent with the intent of the Unified Land Development Code and the comprehensive plan and do not adversely affect the public interest. Mayor, right. May I speak to the motion? Yes. I know it is quite odd for someone to oppose the comp plan and oppose the rezone and then go ahead and make the DMP motion to approve. Um, really have no choice because the comp plan's been approved and the rezone has been approved. So now it fits with the, with the DMP with the ULDC. Um, so I just wanted to explain where I was coming from and uh, give clarity for anybody who may be listening. So thank you for that opportunity. Sure. And that passes five to zero. All right. Thank you. Uh, 
What do my commissioner, my fellow commissioners feel about a break? Are you yep. ready for a break? Yeah. Yes, I know. I, I didn't look at you, but I know. You <laughs> okay, how, how long do we need? All right, 10 minutes. Number two, it's your job to scoop the poop. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't think so. Poop shouldn't be left to decompose. To the extreme, back it up like a champ. Throw it away, you did your part, get amp. Damn. Rush your bag into the trash. Keep the water clean, do your part in a flash. Deadly. One bacteria goes steadily. Anything less than scooping is a felony. Love it or leave it, you better gain weight. You better hit the bullseye, the dogs don't play. This can be a problem, but yo, we'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Don't forget to sue. Don't forget to sue. 
behavior. Word to your pupper. Don't forget to sue. Always manager of City of Northport. Uh, here today with Mario Vendetti, planner scheduler for the City of Northport, Solid Waste Division. We're going to talk about bulk pickups today, uh, how to schedule bulk pickups, what should go out and what should not go out to the curb, where to place the items, and then what happens if you have more than what's allotted for you for the year for a bulk pickup. So, Mario, I know we call 941 240 8050, talk to our customer service reps. That's correct. About how to schedule a bulk pickup. How else can we do that? You can also go on our website, northportfl.gov, click on solid waste, and fill out a bulk request form. Excellent, excellent. So, Mario, what about uh, if a person wants to place it out, what should they place out? What's the right thing? What's the wrong thing? Basically, Frank, anything that doesn't fit in the container okay. that's garbage okay. is going to go curbside. We're going to stay off driveways. What's not accepted is tires, chemicals, okay. stuff like that. You can put yard waste out, that's considered bulk, but just make sure it's separate from the garbage pile. Okay. Yard waste right. is a separate pickup. So what happens if I use all my uh, bulk pickups right now? Good question. Yeah. So you can have more, but you just have to pay. It's gonna be 1650 a cubic yard, okay. and that's length times width times height, divided by 27 is one cubic yard. Any questions, of course, let us know. Give us a call, 941-240-8050. I'm the emergency manager for the city of Northport and I'm going to discuss first responders after the storm. So it may take a while for first responders to get to after the storm and that's due to a variety of reasons. One being we pull first responders off the roads when tropical storm force winds are sustained for their safety. That is a standard usually across the state and other states that have hurricanes as well. So we will have a backlog of calls that have come in during the storm that we will prioritize based on urgency and they'll be responding to those, as well as the calls that are currently coming in if they're urgent as well. Also, the roads might be flooded, there might be debris in the roads. Our tactical first in teams will be going out right away to clear the roads of any hazards uh, so that our vehicles can get through and respond as quickly as possible. Just keep that in mind when you call after a disaster for assistance, we are coming. You are very important to us. We care about our residents and their safety, but it may just take a while for us to get to you depending on the conditions of the roads. and how both of those affect Northport during a hurricane. So storm surge is when 
Strong, sustained winds are constantly blowing over a long period of time over the Gulf and pushing water up onto shore. So when that happens, there is a lot of flooding and beach erosion along the beaches and the homes inland. However, the storm surge can also push water up the river. So it could push storm surge up the Mayaka River, for instance, from the Gulf. And then the water coming downstream from the river has nowhere to go. So that can cause water to back up along the rivers and cause flooding. That, along with a lot of rain that comes from these hurricanes, can also cause an increase of water flooding into the rivers and into our water management systems, causing flooding as well. Public Works does a lot of work before the storm to make sure that our water levels are as low as possible so we can handle additional storm surge and flooding in our water systems. If you want additional information about that, we have a great video about our water control structures and you can visit the Public Works website. My name is Devon Poulos. I'm the Aquatics Manager within our Parks and Recreation Department. We're here today at the Northport Aquatic Center just to talk to everyone about our Float for Life program. We recognize that nationally, unintentional drowning is the leading cause of death for children that are under the age of four. So we have an awesome program here called Float for Life. Float for Life is a program that we teach that starts with the fundamentals of floating before we actually learn swimming. This program is targeted for those children that ages six months to four. And what we want to Okay. Do yes, so everybody hears that. Oh, <laughs> you woke the dead. All right, we're reconvening now at 7.33, and we're moving on to ordinance second reading C, number 2023-27. City Clerk, can you read by title only? Ordinance number 2023-27, an ordinance of the City of Northport, Florida, amending the City of Northport Comprehensive Plan, Chapter 4, Utilities Element, Policy 1.1.5, adopting the City of Northport 10-year Water Supply Facilities Work Plan, providing for findings, providing for adoption, providing for transmittal of documents, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, and providing an effective date. Okay. City Manager, this is your item. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, the city staff received comments on our plan from Southwest Florida Water Management District on October 11th of 2023. Comments were addressed by staff on December 1st, 2023. On December 4th, uh, SwiftMUD indicated they had no additional comments. Today, we asked for the city commission to approve and adopt ordinance 2023-27. We're happy to answer any questions you may have. All right, so commissioners, any questions? For that delay, I don't see anything. All right. Any public comment? There is none. So I'm going to close this public hearing and request a motion. Go ahead. Second. Please audio. Yeah, I fixed it. Okay. We have a motion made by Vice Mayor Stokes to adopt ordinance number 2023. Dash 27 as presented and seconded by, did I hear Commissioner Emmerich? Okay. So if there's nothing else, let's vote. And that passes five to zero.
All right, move on to item D, ordinance number 2023-34. City Clerk, can you read this by title only? Ordinance number 2023-34, an ordinance of the City of Northport, Florida, repealing and replacing section 74 through 84 and 74 through 93 of the Code of the City of Northport, Florida, relating to parking violations, clarifying the penalties and procedures for contesting a parking violation ticket, prohibiting parking for storage purposes in the public right-of-way in identified zoning districts and along Tamiami Trail, and updating statutory references related to parking spaces for disabled persons by amending the Code of the City of Northport, Florida, Section 74-84 and Section 74-92 through 74-94, and repealing certain fees related to parking violations by amending Appendix A, Section F, Police Fees, providing for findings, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, providing for codification, and providing an effective date. Thank you. City Manager, this is your item. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, at its regular meeting on December 12th of 2023, the City Commission continued this ordinance to second reading to today, January 23rd of 2024, as presented. In an ongoing effort to make the city code more user-friendly, this ordinance will update and clarify portions of Chapter 74, Article 4, in relation to parking. We request the Commission approve and adopt Ordinance Number 2023-34 on its second reading, and we're happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Do we have any commissioner questions? Commissioner McDowell. All right. I know I'm going to get the ire of a fellow commissioner about this, but our policy is to advise in writing of a Scrivener error. I did that. I mentioned it at first reading, and here we are at second reading, and the Scrivener error has not been corrected. Um, I am asking if you could please correct the Scribner error in the business impact statement because it still needs to be fixed. That's the only comment I have. Okay. Uh, any public comment? All right. So I'm going to close this public hearing and request a motion. I'll make it. Go ahead. I move to adopt ordinance number 2023-34 as presented with the note by Commissioner McDowell that the Scribner error be corrected. Thank you. Second. All right. So we have a motion made by Vice Mayor Stokes to adopt ordinance number 2023-34 as presented with a note to correct the Scribner's error as Commissioner McDowell outlined, and that was seconded by Commissioner McDowell. If there's nothing else, let's vote. And that passes five to zero. <clears throat> All right, general business, A, 24-0124. City Clerk, this is your item. Right? This item was actually requested by Commissioner McDowell to be placed on the agenda. Oh, okay. Uh, Commissioner McDowell. Yeah, the reason why I placed this on the agenda, um, I think the legislative text kind of spells it out, but in case anyone's listening, um, the Charter Review Advisory Board submitted their annual report, and they have a long list of potential goals of things that they would like to accomplish in 2024. 
Um, the list is pretty long and it has been since 2020, I think even before COVID, when we've had our last joint meeting with the Charter Review Advisory Board. And I was just putting this on the agenda to um, see if my fellow commissioners thought that this might be warranted. Some of the goals that the Charter Review Board wants to work on, um, we, I know I would really like to have a better understanding, especially after listening to their board meetings. I'm not too sure what their direction is, what they're wanting to do. Um, so that's why I put this on the agenda for discussion. Thank you. Okay, Commissioner uh, Langdon. Uh, yes, two things come to my mind as I read through this list in terms of what their intention might be. One, to attract um, folks to run for city commission. We have such a hard time identifying good people who are willing um, to run and serve in this way. Uh, and I, I also, as sort of a subset of that, perhaps see an intention in this list to see how we might attract younger people to the commission. And um, those folks are working. Um, they may or may not have the flexibility. Um, if we want to attract them, then I think we need to be willing to have conversations about how we need to change things in order to accomplish that. Um, so those are, are just my comments. I think as I look in, as I look at this list, it, it's sort of a tactical list, not really clear um, what's in their mind to accomplish. Um, so, but my interpretation is attracting folks to run for the commission. All right, thank you for that input. Do we have any other questions or comments about this? Vice Mayor Stokes. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm wondering whether or not a joint meeting is in order as much as allowing the, the Charter Review Board to, to dive into their 24 goals because I would very, I mean, the two hot button issues are obviously, how do we attract, as, as Commissioner uh, Langdon said, how do we attract younger folks to run for commission? Um, uh, you know, it, I mean, put it out there, income is the issue for anybody with a family who, who you know, needs, uh, you know, need, needs the income and, and isn't in a position to give up the job they have. The other item is, is for them to really, you know, they appear to want to dig into the issue of bonds. As we all know, we have to borrow money. Uh, anytime we borrow money or in debt this city, we have to go out for referendum. Um, it does, uh, to, a, to a large degree, restrict commission's ability uh, to fund projects um, that are in the city's best interest. Um, yet this, this restriction does, does put control firmly in the hands of, of our citizens. And, and I, I would... I'm inclined to allow the Charter Review Board to do their diligence and present to us rather than find ourselves in a position of having a conversation with them whereby we can influence or attempt to influence their perspective on this issue itself. This is an important, important issue. We have a, a police 
uh, a new police headquarters. We have infrastructure issues. We have road issues. We have so many areas that we need lots of money for. And I would hate to think that we, I would rather they do their jobs and come forward to us with ideas and recommendations before we sit down and have an open conversation with them. It's uh, just my opinion. I think these, these two issues really warrant their independent analysis and input. That's just my two cents on this one. Oh, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Madam. Commissioner Emmerich. As I sort of agree with Vice Mayor, it's our responsibility to meet with our advisory boards, and we're supposed to do it like on a yearly basis. And if we have not done it since 2020, it's high time that we do. And I would be in support of having a meeting. I would like to go over all their hot points and stuff like that just to have conversations. And then the public could even see what those topics are ahead of time before they become finalized and then brought to us as agenda items. So I think the conversation is overdue. That's it. All right. Thank you. Commissioner McDowell. I was waiting for you. Oh, OK. I was just. Because I already spoke. Oh, OK. Uh, Yes, I, I'd like to see a joint meeting only because there hasn't been one for a while, number one. And number two, I do agree with Vice Mayor that um, they're charged with, there's only two ways I understand we can make um, changes to the city charter, that uh, we have an advisory board and the commission votes on those changes or we, have, we still have the petition process that we can, citizens can do a petition and I'm very familiar with that because <laughs> I attempted a tree protection amendment back in 2002. But that is another way that citizens can, can do those things themselves. But uh, I agree with Vice Mayor that they're charged with making recommendations to come before us, and they do their, their homework and present a case, and then it's up to us to say, OK, or don't really agree uh, with, with that. But I would love to have a joint meeting to, so we can have some back and forth conversation, for sure. Commissioner McDowell? Yeah, and some of these items on here are very intensive kind of discussions. Mm -hmm. um, some of them I am in support of, that they would be you know, evaluating. Some of them, not so much. Some of them I don't feel belong in the charter. You know, and, that, that, and maybe by us hearing what they have to say, giving our input, then they can say, you know, commission's really not interested in going down this rabbit hole for lack of another term, or yeah, commission is supportive of us exploring this, and then they can focus on the things that we are in support of. If if there's a thing on this list that you're not in support of, then in my opinion, they they are they are here to advise us and we are to help them too. And, and I would hate to have them spend months and months and months on discussions when we have no interest in, in, in changing something in the charter and presenting it. So, you know, I, I, I think a, a discussion is warranted and just kind of feel out and get a better understanding of where they're going with this. With, through a joint meeting? Of course. Yeah. That's the only way That's we can do it. That's what you're going it. for. Okay. All right. Vice Mayor? I should have added really in my comments that the reason I feel it might be premature is that a couple of these items 
if they're going to find their way to um, a referendum and on the ballot, there, there's kind of a short window by what, May, June, roughly. But, so it's not like the Charter Review Board has an extended period of time. We're not going to squander away this year. Within a couple of months, they're going to be to us. I, you know, then I can see us meeting. I just think, especially the the issue of the bonds. I I I so believe that that issue is so important to this city, and I think it's so important that there be a lot of stakeholder input on this subject, and to right out of the box sit and meet with the Charter Review Board and, and have a back and forth on this subject. I, I'm, I Personally, I, I would much prefer them, in my personal opinion, to formulate their recommendation on especially that item and present it. Then we can have at it. But I don't want, and, and, and I'm hesitant to, to create the optic of we're telling them we're coaching them, we're directing them with regard to this item. This is a really important and pivotal issue for us as a city, and I, I, it's just the process. I don't think we're talking very long, because I think it's one of their high priorities. I think it's something they'll address within a couple of months, and then we can have our meeting. So I'm not against the meeting. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of the timing of it. I want to give them that little bit of time to, to come to us with it, and I think they will, because I... I my guess is they've already spent a whole lot of time thinking about it. Thank you. Back off that. Oh, uh, wait. City Attorney had something to say. <clears throat> Thank you, Mayor. There are a couple of points of information that might be helpful to you all um, in your analysis. The first is that in their December meeting, the Charter Review Advisory Board reviewed the issue related to the bonds and the referendum. I don't know if you all have already received a report about that or how often that happens, but what I do know is that my office is working on that item and deputy city attorney who also sits as counsel for the charter review advisory board made a presentation you know, to the, the board and got their feedback about that item at that time. If you've not already received that information, it will at a minimum come back to you at for first reading of the, the referendum ordinance. So uh, you will get that in, in fairly short order. The, the second point is that it, it, we are essentially past the point of reaching a new topic for a referendum on the 2024 election. Uh, you were right, Vice Mayor, that we have to, um, would have to have a referendum ordinance go through first and second reading and full adoption and be ready to send to the supervisor of elections in May in order for the language to get on the ballot. Uh, aside from first and second reading, it would also have to go to the planning and uh, the, the Charter Review Advisory Board for review. And then of course we'd have to do the legal work so just practically, there's we're not out of speak, we're not out of time from like a legal perspective, but from a practical perspective, <laughs> to get all that done on a completely new topic, that's really not not going to happen. So I, I believe that these would be topics for future discussion that could potentially go on a referendum in 2026, which suddenly makes me feel very tired and old to think that that's not that far away. <laughs> um, but with respect to any any charter referendum, whether it is initiated and recommended by the Charter Review Advisory Board or whether this board initiates it and then takes it through to the Charter Review Advisory Board for their input, it still has to come through this board for an ordinance that orders the referendum, so for a first and second reading. So the process is the same. It's just maybe at what point does the Charter Review Advisory Board talk about it. 
Um, so hopefully that information kind of helps you with a little bit of background for your discussion today. All right. Thank you. And I just had a question about what you, you just um, mentioned, that it comes before the commission to vote in ordinance form, and that just requires a simple majority. It doesn't require a supermajority. That is correct. The ordinance for referendum requires a, a simple majority, but they are complicated ordinances to write, mm -hmm. so they do uh, take quite a bit of time to prepare. Right, right, okay. Thank you. Commissioner McDowell. Yeah, the only thing I was going to add is kind of what city attorney just alluded to. We have already tasked the Charter Review Board to look at the bond, so I don't think there would be any discussion about that particular item to let them do what they were tasked by us to do. It's the other items that I saw on here and had listened to previous meetings. Some of these items were discussed at previous meetings. Some of them seem to be like new business kind of stuff. So um, hopefully when we make a motion, when the time comes, we can get support for a joint meeting. All right, Commissioner Langdon. Uh, thank you for that, Mayor. Um, I tend to concur with Vice Mayor. Um, I do want to see a joint meeting. The timing of it is important. I, I don't want to be close-minded on any of these issues. As I look through them, I, I have some strong feelings about some of them, not such strong feelings about other of them, but our advisory team felt that these were important and worth working on. Um, so that's good enough for me. I would just say, I mean, some of these, I, I agree with Commissioner McDowell, there'd be a fair amount of work and research and to be able to come up with a recommendation on these. So if they wanted to come back a couple times, you know, do two or three and then come back later in the year and and do the rest. I'm really open to whatever cadence um, works for them, but, uh, but I don't want to constrain them in terms of anything that they want to work on. I'd, I'd want to hear their argument and their presentation of the facts before I made a judgment on any of them. So yes, for a meeting, whatever the schedule, whatever schedule works, works for me. That's it. Okay, Vice Mayor? Yeah, just a quick comment. Perhaps um, has anyone asked the Charter Review Board whether they'd like to meet with us? <laughs> we have, uh, I. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mayor, may I? Yes. Yeah, usually in the past when we've had joint meetings, it was we requested it or they would request it. It was a mutual request kind of thing. And if they, they are well within the rights of saying yes or they are well within the rights of saying no. But. I, I don't. What would make me feel good is if they're ready. If 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 they're if if that's something they would like to do and they're prepared to meet with us, then that makes me feel a lot better about scheduling a meeting for them. If if they come back, if we ask them and their response is, well, you know, we have a little more work to do, like we're really not ready for you, then we should wait a little. So I'm I'm more. I like we're looking to take a little direction from them on this because I know they're working on all this stuff and 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 my guess is they're pretty close to being ready so perhaps it's worth reaching out to them and getting their input before we 
agree to schedule. And, it, and I don't see this meeting happening next month. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I agree I, with you. I think that they, it would be wise to allow them time to, you know, get on the same page and get prepared to be able to meet with us and, and have an idea of why they put these on mm -hmm. this um, list of priorities. And, and we'll have a discussion. It, it's just a discussion thing. Okay. Very good. Uh, I don't see anybody else. Do we have any public comment? No. So I'm looking for a motion. I'll try. Go ahead. Um, I'll, I'll try this motion to schedule, to instruct the city clerk to schedule a joint meeting with the Charter Advisory, Charter Review, Charter Review Advisory Board um, at a time that is convenient for all. All right, so we have a motion on the floor made by Commissioner McDowell to direct the city clerk to schedule a joint meeting with the Charter Review Advisory Board at a time that is convenient for both uh, parties, and that's seconded by, I'm sorry, uh, Commissioner Emmerich. So nothing else, let's vote. Thank you. And that passes five to zero. All right. Next up is item B, 24-0161. Um, this is your item. Thank you, Madam Mayor. This item is discussion and possible action regarding talking points for commissioner meetings with legislators during the Florida League of Cities Legislative Action Days. Uh, in light of the action days being January 29th to the 31st, our um, legislative analyst, Mr. Todd Miles, has prepared some talking points for your discussion to see if these topics or any other topics you would like in talking points so everyone is consistent with the messaging. Mr. Miles is here to discuss and answer any questions that you may have. Thank you, City Manager. Um, <clears throat> Um, as you all know, the commission will be traveling at the end of the month to Tallahassee to participate in the Legislative Action Day sponsored by the and organized by the Florida League of Cities. Um, it'll be my pleasure to accompany you on that trip and to um, attend meetings in person with our two state House representatives, Buchanan and Grant, and our state Senator Gruders. Um, assuming that they're available, uh, we know from past experience that our time will be limited with them. So um, having given some thought to how we should focus our time with them, what we should discuss with them, um, make the best use of that, um, it occurs to me that there are many bills floating through the, the state legislature at this point in different points of the process that would directly impact the city. Um, some of them would curtail or even eliminate major revenue sources that the city relies upon. Others would directly impact the way the city does business and provides services. Um, all of these bills are being watched carefully by the Florida League of Cities, which as we all know is a very effective statewide association that has a presence in Tallahassee, um, highly trained advocates, <coughs> Um, who attend all the committee meetings and meet with many of the state legislators, including our own. And these bills not only affect this city, but they affect all cities throughout the state. 
Um, so what I've recommended to you in my communication last week is that we focus our time in person with our state representatives on three projects or at least three projects that are of unique significance to this city. Each of these projects uh, is a multi-million dollar endeavor that's gonna require funding from a variety of sources, um, most significantly from the state, um, and maybe even through state appropriations, which we or organizations that we are um, partnered with would make directly by our state representatives. So what I put forward for your consideration here are these three projects. Um, one of them would be undertaken directly by the city, which is the, uh, the new emergency operations center. One would be undertaken by the Suncoast Technical College. Um, it will be located at their existing campus in the city. It would be uh, providing workforce training for city residents, current and new residents, um, and would significantly enhance our ability to attract trained workers, um, attract business here to take advantage of our trained workers. And although it's not being undertaken directly by the city, I think it's something of such significance to the city that it <clears throat> certainly merits our support and our advocacy to our state representatives that they support funding for this project in any form that comes before them. Um, similarly, uh, the project being undertaken by the um, Southwest YMCA um, would um, provide an early learning academy for young people in the city. Um, the YMCA's goal is to educate children in the city so they become confident and socially responsible and prepared um, you know, as they proceed through their educational process. All things that are of major significance to the city, um, again, not being undertaken directly by us, but having such a significant importance to the city that it would seem like it merits our full support and advocacy with our state legislators that they provide funding as necessary. In fact, there's actually a request in the current session for a half a million dollars that's sponsored by our Representative Buchanan at the request of the YMCA. So we want him to know that the city is firmly in support of that request. So, um, you know, I'm certainly interested in your thoughts on this, and, and I realize this may be um, a little different way to spend our time with our legislators since we wouldn't be talking about specific bills, but for the reasons that I've outlined to you, I think it would be the most effective way for us to use that time. All right, thank you. And Let's have some commissioner questions, comments. Commissioner McDowell. I got a couple questions because like you said, this is a new way of doing things during FLC days. Um, what is the reasoning behind focusing on next legislative session? Because I'm reading this, this is for next year, as opposed to what is happening now mm -hmm. that they're voting on now. And that's why we're going there now. <coughs> Okay, understood. Um, keeping in mind that the, uh, the process for asking for state appropriations from our legislators has a deadline of November for getting that application in. Um, and as you may recall, the commission has considered and approved several items that we did request in the current year, one of which the most significant one being more funds for widening a price. That paperwork had to be in November. It had to be processed and filed before the session began, beginning of this month. So 
with the exception of this YMCA project, which did get that request in, these other two projects cannot be requested this year. Um, and these two projects um, have been the subject of numerous meetings of city leadership and, and the leaders of these organizations. They're complex. Um, they involve the county in some ways through the county school board. Um, because of their complexity, because of the amount of money involved, it's taking time for them to, in effect, percolate to all the different leadership quarters in the community so that they understand what's happening and how much it's going to cost and what's going to be involved. So I think my, my response to your question is, it's important to lay a foundation with our state legislators for these two projects. Our message to them is it's coming, it's being organized, it's being discussed in all the different stakeholder venues where it's relevant. Um, and we fully expect that there will be a specific request next session for dollars to fund these. But by tuning them in now to what's going on, it'll prepare them and alert them for the many conversations that are gonna to have to take place between now and that November 24 deadline in which they will get a specific ask and hopefully they will be um, in favor of it because they'll have been not only informed of what it is, but also have heard from you all how important this is to the city. And thank you for that explanation. I just, you know, we are there to represent our city and we are there to represent the needs of the city. And I understand STC is definitely a need in the overall city. And so is the YMCA in the overall city because they provide things for the city and the taxpayers, but it's not the city. If I can, if you understand the distinction I'm trying to make, we are going up there to lobby and talk with our elected officials about things that the city of Northport needs, not outside entities. And it, it's my opinion, and we've done this in the past, maybe not so recently, but distant past, where we would always write a letter of support that has a lot of teeth to it. When, once those appropriation requests are made, that we send in a letter of support right away saying, hey, we support this, we support this, and, and get other, other entities to join us in that support. Um, for me, and I can't speak for the others, but we're there to do the bidding of the city of Northport for the benefit of the taxpayers and the residents of our city. Um, and I know that these other two items touch that in a way, but not wholly. Um, and, and I understand completely the YMCA is a very worthy cause. They do the childhood learning things, but why aren't we advocating for the Boys and Girls Club? They have an appropriations request in here too. Um, so we, this kind of touches on the carefulness of what we're advocating for um, because I don't want there to be any sign of any favoritism or anything like that. Um, I, I just truly believe we're there for FLC talking about bills and being able to express to our legislators how specific bills are impacting our city. Um, that's just my two cents, and I yield. 
Thank you. Vice Mayor Stokes. I have to say I agree with a whole lot of what Commissioner McDowell says about our purpose in going there, but having been there last year and for the first time and, and make a couple trips to D.C. on a national level, the amount of time we get is so small. They're meeting with so many different groups, all banging away at legislation that's sitting there in front of them this, this legislative session. I kind of really like the idea that, not that there's not more than these three to advocate for, but these three represent really important things for our city and our people. I mean, certainly the Suncoast Technical is without a doubt we are going to become known as the, the, the South County Medical Center hub of Sarasota County. I mean, we need that project. We need monies for that. The YMCA is hugely beneficial to our community. And, and same thing with the EOC. So it's kind of a different twist. I don't know that we're not going to get a chance maybe to to wail away, but there's an awful lot of advocates at the Florida League of Cities, you know, who are who are going to advocate for all the different pros, you know, opposed or, or or support for so many pieces of legislation, and so many of them are going to fall through the wayside anyway, and some are going to get crammed through no matter what we say. So I kind of like this approach, you know. But but I gotta admit, I, you know, it's it's I can't say that what Commissioner McDowell said is wrong. It's just, you know, this is much more pointed and much more focused on specific things we want that will really get a great bang for our buck. So I'm kind of good with this. Okay. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Langdon. Uh, yes, I really like the approach also because um, it's been my observation that sometimes there are multiple bills that address a particular issue. Um, and so sharing what the overarching priorities are for our city, I think, is a good way to go. Um, although I, I really, I do see Commissioner McDowell's point. And I'm wondering if there might be a couple of immediate specific examples that fall under this framework that we might advocate for might be a way of sort of bridging how we approach it. Sort of had the general conversation, higher level, um, but then identify a couple of really urgent today needs that we'd like them to focus on. I yield. Okay. Um, let me go to Commissioner Emmerich. What was the first one on your list again? Uh, the first one is the... Um, oh, the emergency management. Okay. Uh, no, it's the Suncoast Technical College expansion. Now, the emergency management... Okay, well, that's one of the three, yes. The Emergency Operations Center, a standalone yeah. building that's proposed to be Okay, I, I just couldn't remember what you said at first because I heard about SCT, okay. SCT and uh, yeah, yeah. the other one. But one of, one of the main concerns that we have down here, and the last time I had spoke with James, which was probably about six months ago, 
he was saying that there might be possible funds out there for flood mitigations and stuff like that. And we have a desperate need to get our weirs retained. And with the hospital coming in on 75 and the area off a of lady slipper, we might be able to use some funding there to be able to help with those areas going forward. Cause I know a lot of people are worried about that saying that if the hospital comes, they're going to get flooded out X, this, that, and the other. But if we had some funds to be able to put into flood mitigations, get some of our weirs fixed a little bit better, that might be a more important issue than one of the other ones. That's sort of what I'm leaning on. I mean, it's a good group of talking points, and maybe I'll just have to have those conversations with James myself, but I think as a group it would be best if we all stuck together and maybe at least mentioned it in some of our talks up there. Well, if I may, I just want to make one comment about that specific topic. Um, <clears throat> I don't think we at this point have any specific uh, information about funding availability in the current year for that purpose from the state. However, um, based on a, a recent update that I participated in, on, you're familiar with the county having received $200 million from HUD under what it's called the Resilient SRQ program, which is all to be targeted for various county needs in the wake of Hurricane Ian, and certainly water control structures is a major priority for this city. It's my understanding that our request for funds for that purpose has been well received. It hasn't been approved yet. I think the county commission is going to be meeting very soon to actually um, finalize their criteria. But the feedback that we're getting is that there's going to be significant funding available to the city this year because they've received that $200 million from HUD for the water control structures. So I only offer that as encouragement that I think there will be money forthcoming, but that process is more advanced because the county is going to be administering the money rather than the state. Um, not to say that we shouldn't mention it and encourage him to see that as a priority, but in terms of near-term, you know, return, I think the county's probably going to be there for us before the state is. Yeah, and I understand that, but it's never a guarantee, you know, with, with, with how they're going to disperse those funds. I just want to make sure that we're still having those conversations, be it with the county, be it with the state, be it with whoever. We need that help because it's very costly. I mean, we're looking, Julie, what, a million dollars a weir-ish? Three. $3 million a weir, and we've got quite a few of them that are in need. So the more we can get, the better off we are. And we're in a floodplain. We're in a swamp area. Well, so. as you may be aware, um, when the mayor had the opportunity to address the Sarasota delegation before the session began, that was your message. And you were very specific, if I recall. Yep. I think you were given an estimate, something along the lines of what you're suggesting per structure, three or four million mm -hmm. per structure. And you told them how many structures there were and the total tab was in the nine-figure region. And so they actually it, have yeah. heard directly from the mayor, all the, you know, on bank, they're all there. That's an important need for the city. And, you know, at least that message set the stage for further, you know, comments. Right, but if we just keep reminding them and reminding them and reminding them until we get it all fixed, then, then we can go away. <laughs> yeah. It's called being, being a pain. But sure. thank you. That's all I got, Mayor. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to... Um, add my comments before I go back to Commissioner McDowell that I, I do appreciate being specific rather than a general because that's again going up there the last couple of years it was just bills but they didn't really know how that was 
uh, affecting us or how that was relating to us that specifically. And this is very specific. So I, I like this approach to, um, to be more detailed in what we're, we need and, and why we need it. I do, I personally like the YMCA um, partnership there. We have, again, the, um, the hospital coming in. There is a big need for daycare in, in um, Northport. We just don't don't have it. And if we, we want workforce uh, to come in here and, and we want a fun workforce again, but you know, parents need a place to bring their kids. Um, and uh, so whatever this board decides is fine with me, but I would like to have a very specific uh, approach um, when we're asking. And if, if it doesn't happen this funding period, as you said, at least you plant the seed that we're, we're, this is our need. And when something comes up, I'm just thinking how I think, you know, when something comes up that I've thought about, say, hey, wait a minute, I was just thinking, you know, that is something we need. And this is how you pull it up <coughs> and, and present it then, that you read about something, because we talked about this a couple of months ago, and it's the same thing. So this is what I'm hoping to leave them with more of a, uh, an impression than just something general, which is what they hear from everybody, I'm sure. So um, I do appreciate uh, this approach very much. Uh, Commissioner McDowell. Yeah, um, I am extremely grateful for FLC and all their advocacy. They do a tremendous job. I don't need to tell anybody how good of a job that they do advocating for the cities in Florida. However, the five of us sitting up here with the help of our lobbyist, Mr. Miles, and our lobbyist, Hayden, we are our city's best advocates, not the others. And if a lot of times the legislators don't know the impact that the bills are having on our city, um, we have state legislative priorities. We spent a lot of time coming up with those state legislative priorities. And to talk about things that are coming next year, not this year, not this legislative session, just doesn't set well with me. So maybe what I, based on what I'm hearing from my fellow commissioners, maybe we can ask Mr. Miles to find the bills that are going through legislative session this year, tie it into our legislative priorities. So that way then when we go and meet with them, we can say, you know, one of our legislative priorities is infrastructure. And there's this bill that's going through um, that ties in with weirs or ties in with road construction or ties in with hurricane evacuations and make that connection so that they understand that, yes, we only have 15 minutes, but that 15 minutes is going to be very well spent explaining our need and the bills that are before them so that they make that connection and be able to use it as a guide for when they're going to vote. Oh, this is gonna help Northport. This is gonna help Northport. Um, it, it, that's just my thoughts and I, if we're going up there to advocate for next year, it, 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 it's not right. We're going up there for this year. Because okay. we never know. Next, All we got to do is look at what happened with Parkland. Mm -hmm. We had all these legislative priorities. We had all of this stuff all worked out. And the state basically said, nope, we are going to work on security for schools. Everything else got pushed to the wayside. So we can't worry about next year. We have to focus on this year. 
That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. If I may, in the process of preparing my suggestions to you, I looked at state legislative priorities, which you all have, because you know we've always mm -hmm. gone to great lengths to prepare a nice presentation of them. Um, the only legislation that I could find, or not, not legislation, but the only topic really that I could find um, that an overlap between what I suggested you do and what's here is we actually had in here supporting continuation of funding for STC. Um, everything else on these priorities are things that I guess I would characterize as sort of like a wish list of like, we wish you would do these things. We wish you would look at it this way, but there isn't specific legislation on anything under our priorities that I could point a bill to you and say, here's a bill that would do what we are asking them to do. There are a lot of bills that are on these topics, but they don't do what we're asking them to do. Um, you know, for example, we asked them to amend the Live Local Act to define the minimum commercial use threshold for mixed-use residential yeah, products, trying, trying to make it helpful to us because we're finding it difficult to apply this Live Local Act in terms of our own projects. And instead, what's happening in the legislature is there is a bill which is going to be helpful to us, which would basically eliminate industrial properties from the Live Local Act mandate. So it would only leave commercial properties. And fortunately, last year, we were able to get that bill amended. So if you're less than 20% commercial and industrial, the mandate won't apply unless it's in a mixed use. So we actually got last year what we wanted to get. And what we're asking for here isn't on the table this year. It's not a priority for the, for the Senate president. Um, there isn't a bill that would do what we're asking for. So I think, you know, as much as I would love to have done what you're suggesting, these priorities don't dovetail with the bills that are floating around the legislature now. There's just not a commonality there that I could point to and say, here's the bill that was on our priority list that would do what we wanted. Um, I don't see anything else up there. Okay. Can I just make one quick yeah. follow-up? A lot of times, too, when you're going into these meetings, and this happened last year, the legislators kind of lead what their conversations are. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they, they do lead us based on how much time they have. So that, there's that, too, we have to consider. Okay. Um, public comment? Okay. So I'm looking for a motion. What do we want to do? I'll make a motion or at least attempt it. Go ahead. Move to approve the recommendations from Mr. Miles and let's go up there and have some conversations. I'll second it. All right. Um, I have a motion made by Commissioner Emmerich to take the recommendations made by Mr. Miles to our FLC conference. And uh, what did you say? Go with it or something let's like go that? Go have some conversations. I'm sorry, I didn't write that down. <laughs> and that was seconded by Vice Mayor. Any other discussion? Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead. So when we approve this, does this mean this is all we're going to talk about when we're going up to FLC? No. No. Well, I'm asking for clarity because when you're saying we're going to approve this talking point, 
and then have other conversations, I want to make sure I fully understand what I'm taught, what I'm voting for. We can get through these subject matters, and with our time remaining, we can bring up other discussion points while we're in there. I mean, you you've sat through them. I've sat through yeah, them. I've sat through them, and we've always just went there and had a conversation with our elected officials, and it wasn't these talking points. That's all we're going to talk about. It, it, we have legislative priorities. That's why we're there to talk about our priorities. Right, and we pass them the card. We have our conversations, and then whatever happens to the card after we leave, we have no clue. That's in the past. I understand. So at least now we can go up, have some conversations, and hopefully make something a little bit different. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. All right. Thanks for the clarification. Let's vote. Mr. Langdon. It's coming. It's coming. And that passes four to one with uh, Commissioner McDowell dissenting for reasons stated. Yep, I just don't agree with these talking points. They're okay. next year's. All right. Good conversation, though. I've used that word quite a few times, but I like that. All right. Moving on to item C. I think I'm on the right place. 24-0023. Uh, City Manager, this is your item. Yes, thank you, Madam Mayor. This item is to approve a variance to the Code of the City of Northport, Florida, Chapter 46, Offenses, Article 2, Offenses Involving Public Peace and Order, Division 2, Noise 46-42, Specific Prohibitions um, 6, to allow additional phases of Toledo Blade Rehabilitation, as depicted on the attached map between the hours of 9 p.m. and 7 a.m., the following day on weekdays, or 9 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. on weekends and holidays, in or within 50 yards of any residential area. Approved and accepted by special permit for the Toledo Blade Boulevard Rehabilitation Project as depicted on the attached map pursuant the code of the City of Northport, Florida, Chapter 46 Offenses, Article 2, Offenses Involving Public Peace and Order, Division 2, Noise, Section 46-45, Exceptions by Special Permit for the following scope of exceptions. Time frame, commence work on January 24, 2024, and complete on February 29, 2024. The work hours in the work zone area set up at 8 p.m. on weekdays, weekends, and holidays in or within 50 yards of any residential area. Breakdown 8 a.m. on weekdays and 8.30 a.m. on weekends and holidays in or within 50 yards of any residential area. Road rehabilitation work 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. the following day on weekdays or 9 p.m. and 7.30 a.m. on weekends and weekends and holidays in or within 50 yards of any residential area. The Department of Public Works has contracted uh, preferred materials incorporated for the Toledo Blade Boulevard Road Rehabilitation Project on identified sections of the roadway system throughout the city, including the majority of Toledo Blade Boulevard. Since Toledo Blade Boulevard is an essential connection to I-75 for local and residential commercial activities, staff is recommending that the contractor complete the road rehab rehabilitation work during Nighttime hours as outlined in the agenda item. Happy to answer any questions. All right. Commissioner McDowell. I just have two real quick ones. When is set, when is phase two, which is from Price Boulevard to I think the county line? Um, when is that going to start? So 
uh, phase two would be Price Boulevard down to Bobcat. Bobcat, okay. Right. Uh, so when is that it's slated to begin? They've already started in those areas that are not adjacent to residential doing turn lanes. Um, and how are we advising the residents that um, this is happening? Have they been advised of the construction zone? And There's been message boards out for probably the last six weeks. On Toledo Blake? Yes, ma'am. All right, thank you. City Attorney. Thank you, Mayor. Um, this request comes as a result of references within the city code requiring that anyone who wants an exception has to get a variance and a special exception permit from the city commission, but the code does not give us a lot of guidance on what that process and procedure is. And since you all have not seen it, there are two things I wanted to bring your attention to. The first is that the code does require that to provide this relief that the city commission make a finding of good cause. So you will see that in your draft motion, there is a finding of good cause. Um, you've heard some statements here on the record from the city manager and the public works director. Uh, also, I note in their staff report that they have presented some points related to good cause that I don't think has been stated verbally here today. But if you all are inclined, you can rely on that documentation and finding the good cause. The second is that um, I reviewed the draft motion for this item and made some revisions to it to include that finding. But in reviewing the staff report, there is something that I did not include. I see that the staff report requests three conditions be placed upon this relief, and those do not appear in your draft motion. If you are so inclined to include those conditions, I would recommend utilizing the draft motion and then at the end adding something like, you know, um, including the following conditions, and then you can read off the staff report to minimize adverse effects upon the community or surrounding neighborhood. And they have a list of three there for you. I would put them up, but I don't have that uh, ability from where I'm sitting to broadcast that for you. Okay. I can read those conditions if yeah. you like. Would you like me to read those Please, conditions? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So the conditions of requirements necessary to minimize adverse effects upon the community or surrounding neighborhood. First condition, the contractor shall be required to maintain applicable maintenance of traffic operations. Second condition, the contractor shall maintain one travel lane in each direction at all times. And the third, third condition is the contractor will prioritize emergency response vehicles through the work zone. Okay, do we have any public comment? No. All right, I'm looking for a motion, and I think maybe we could ask Mr. Speak to repeat those conditions for the motion, possibly. Could, well, unless you have. Could we not reference one through three in the staff report? No, they're not labeled. I'll make the motion. Okay, go okay, go ahead. I'll make a motion to make a motion to find good cause exists to issue a variance to the city code section 4642 subsection 6 and move based on bait and move to issue a special exception permit for the Toledo Blade Boulevard rehabilitation project to allow nighttime construction work to occur from January 24th 2024 
through February 29th, 2024, with the following parameters. Work zone work areas set up between 8 p.m. on weekdays, weekends, and holidays in or within 50 yards of any residential area. Breakdown at 8 a.m. on weekdays and 8.30 on weekends and holidays in or within 50 yards of any residential area. Road rehab work hours are 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. the following day on weekdays or 9 p.m. and 7.30 a.m. on weekends and holidays in or within 50 yards of the residential area. I further move to approve the conditions necessary to minimize adverse effects upon the community or surrounding neighborhoods. Condition one, the contractor shall be required to maintain applicable maintenance of traffic operations Condition two, the contractor shall maintain one travel lane in each direction at all times. Condition three, the contractor will prioritize emergency response vehicles through the work zone. Well I'm done. finished. Well done. Yes. Second. All right, so we have motion made by Commissioner McDowell and seconded by Commissioner Langdon. Do we want to have that read back? Please, no, I'm not repeating it. No, <laughs> not by you. Do we need to have that read? You have it. Do you have it? Okay. If you need it, I have it written down. He has it. Thanks. Of course that. he does. That's Thanks why, for the heavy lift. That's why lift. he's the assistant city clerk. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so we vote. Okay. No further discussion. Let's vote. And that passes five to zero. All right. Moving on to public comment. Any other public comment? There is none. Okay. So we'll go to Commission of Communications. Commissioner McDowell, you're first on the list here. Thank you. Um, all right. There's no particular order, but start with the state of the city and the chamber uh, motion. Uh, great job, city manager, on that state of the city. I loved the graphic that showed the population through the years. That was so cool to see the growth. Um, I also attended the Northport Forward Ribbon Cutting Ceremony. Um, Chief Titus, kudos to your entire team for that amazing open house. Um, they did a fantastic job. Um, also attended the fire department's pinning and award ceremony. Boy, oh boy, the statistic that you shared about how our resuscitation rate is 47, 45% and the national average is seven. Wow. It shows how immensely trained your personnel are. Kudos to you guys. Um, I held a town hall last night, had about 45 people in attendance, um, attended the Go Green with Parks. Good job, Mayor. And um, at the Minnesota League of Cities meeting a week or two ago, I was nominated and accepted the position as the chair um, for the league for this year. All right. You were quite busy out there. Commissioner I'm sure there's a few things I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Langdon. 
Thank you, Mayor. Uh, rather than repeat, I feel as though I've been following Commissioner McDowell no, around don't. the city <laughs> for the past uh, couple of weeks. I will just add that uh, this year I picked up a commission assignment for teen court, and I attended mm -hmm. my first teen court um, on Monday night. I guess that was last night. And I just found it truly fascinating. Unfortunately, city manager's daughter was not an attorney last night, so I think I'm going to have to go to Venice in February to see her. But um, it was really fantastic. And um, the kids are so impressive, you know, particularly the ones um, that serve as attorneys, you know, defense and prosecution. They're really amazing. So um, I'm going to yield the floor because I don't have much voice left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I appreciate you you saying what you did. Uh, Vice Mayor. Uh, attended the um, open house at the fire training tower. What a great, you know, to echo Commissioner McDowell, what a great event. I mean, the city turned out. People love it. And... Uh, and again, our police and fire end up being great ambassadors for our city. Um, also attended the um, convocation of governments um, with our county school board folks. Um, found that first time I'd been there, that was very interesting. Um, a lot of good conversation and a lot of conversation about our city in Northport, which was great to hear. Mm -hmm. So all eyes are on us. Um, also attended Chamber of Commerce annual meeting in the State of the City address. Um, Jerome was eloquent, as usual, even more so. And uh, fourth quarter service awards and employee of the year presentations. That's always a great event, and the room was filled. That was a treat. And then I also, uh, I guess this past week, was on the John Rollins show doing my you know, my turn, so if you haven't listened, find it on Facebook and tune in. All right. That's it for me. Great. Commissioner Emmerich. Yeah, they're going to start calling it the Phil Stokes show. There you no. go. There you go. You don't even hardly give John a chance to speak anymore. Darn right. I learned. <laughs> I attended the uh, State of the City in the COG, and that's about it. Thank you. All right. Uh, yes, as Commissioner McDowell said, it starts in parks on January 19th, Fridays. Uh, Northport celebrated Arbor Day. Florida Arbor Day is in January, and uh, it was a partnership with People for Trees to give away elm trees, and um, that was really great. It was also a, an opportunity for our natural, brand new natural resources division to introduce themselves, and they couldn't have been more cordial and, and helpful to everybody there. Really, really happy to see that. I also uh, did a kayaking excursion on the Deer Prairie Creek in conjunction with Parks and Rec. Saturday, it was cold. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. I don't know why I had such an early start time, but, uh, but we had four gator encounters, and uh, they're just really neat to see. Yeah, they just slowly sink under the water there. <laughs> um, also uh, went up to the council, my first council of governments at the Sarasota Airport. That was my first. It was interesting to see all the different uh, elected officials there, and 
and uh, food. It's always great when they're going to feed you. Um, so I, I love that. Uh, just wanted to note that the Northport Symphony is celebrating their 40th anniversary. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, got an invitation to their uh, gala for that. So I can't believe it's been 40 years. And um, for those who don't know, um, just for our residents, this was in the paper a while ago, but, but the South County Sheriff Paddocks is reopened at the, um, the, um, the South County Administration Building, which is on Jacaranda on 41, and it had been closed for a while, and it was really inconvenient for our residents to have to go up to Sarasota for some, uh, some things, and now it's reopened there, so that's a really good thing to know. Um, I had a chat at the Northport Arts Center. I do that the third Wednesday of the month, and I love doing it there because I always get people who say, where is the art center? I didn't know we had an art center. <laughs> so it's an opportunity to educate our residents about what we have in the city, and also when they come there and they see the artwork, and there's always a class going on, they're just amazed that we have something like that in Northport, and they didn't even know about it. So um, that was uh, my week. So what else do I have here? Oh, um, yes. City attorney. Any, anything to add? I'm sorry. It says charter officers for reports. So. No, ma'am, I thought you were calling on me. I'm no. Like, oh. No, ma'am, I have nothing to report. Okay. City manager, anything else? No, Madam Mayor. And city clerk? I have nothing else. Okay. So it is 8.40 p.m., and I adjourn this meeting. Bye.